Hello and welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. And as you know by now, we're a couple dudes with PhDs in theology who discuss awesome television. And as you also know by now, we are discussing the awesome show Rectify with its myriad spiritual and theological themes. Tony, and uh, I, I just got one word. Ryan, I just got one word for this week for episode 402. Okay. Billy. Billy, 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 Billy. I am okay. so confused by that. <laughs> Um, I was going to say welcome to the latest episode of Full House, uh, <laughs> because I tell you this this entire episode felt like a surreal yeah. '90s family sitcom. Yeah, everything about it. Yeah, it was a it was funny. I I just say Billy because first of all, any chance I can to throw a little Judge Schmales, uh into the mix i will (laughs) (laughs) and uh secondly because i just thought billy is the guy basically the the, like the stud (laughs) lawnmower who rolls up alongside amantha uh and is packing heat and drives a sweet old pickup I just thought this is <laughs> this is what we need in Rectify right now is we need Amantha to have just this hottie love interest. Amy just uh, as, Amy just, asked just me, as we know that John Stern is trying to like finagle his way back to Polly and and his bosses are just like, dude, what is it with you in this case? Let it go. You you know like alone. he's out. We we have more important things. Uh, I just want to go back to Polly, and then I, I I even thought that scene was kind of funny. Um, in the you know in the boardroom in Boston of his of his nonprofit that fights to get people off death row, um, because he's like, yeah yeah, I just want to go down there just for you know a few weeks. <laughs> it's like, dude, <laughs> he's got uh, some unfinished so- business. Yeah, I just I thought that yeah, he's got to go for discovery. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have we? Amy asked me while we were watching this. Have we met Billy? No, Billy's no, Billy's new, new. I believe. Let me tell you, just a great dialogue. Uh, <laughs> oh given as good as he gets, you know, dude. Just dude, I got. He's, like, I'm he's almost I'm, like. Look, he's <laughs> almost like. I don't have to. I'll just leave you. Like no, you know, it's like kind of take it or leave it. I will tell you if we should get if we should happen to get Ray McKinnon on this uh, on this podcast if we should be so blessed I will ask him the inspiration for what I think is one of the greatest lines in television history and it's this I'm recording the game and I've got venison in the crock pot <laughs> I f- <laughs> I feel I knew for I knew that you were gonna just perk up at venison. I feel like that, <laughs> I feel like we should insert that record. We should just actually pull the audio from the the episode and put it in here. Oh, does maybe he says slow cooker instead of crock pot? I can't. I'm I can't Either quite way. remember. But yeah, he's recording the game. All all is right in Billy's world. <laughs> and she says, he's, you know, you still you still mowing lawns and he's still in the landscaping business there's no shame in it right grass needs right, cutting right. leaves need and she says do i look high and he goes i wouldn't lead with that <laughs> i mean it's pretty great 
that's I really like their they're just their very brief interplay. It's cute, it's lighthearted. Mm-hmm. You know, after after geez, I, when that thing hit the car, I thought, holy crap, Amantha just killed Jared. That's what I thought, That's what I like, thought too. That's Jared exactly was hiking home from sleeping in the canvas tent and he was killed by his ha- by his uh, half sister or something. Thank God it was just like the axle fell out the bottom of her car. And speaking of Jared, he he's just kind of out there. Jared is out there, man. He's getting weirder, which I I guess if you're raised in this family, it would make sense that you would be kind of a weird dude. But he is acting pretty weird. Well, think about it. Uh, Back to kind of the joke about the the family sitcom. The, The episode opens kind of almost without dialogue. Yeah. Janet wakes up. There's some weird noises. And there's just tension throughout the house. She and Ted Sr. still aren't on the same page. They they haven't fully kind of reconnected. Teddy is just um, completely annoyed by Ted Sr., as you could imagine, having as an adult, having to be at home again, right? Live with your parents. You could see why Jared wants no part of that. Yeah. Like as much time as he can be away from that, He's going to do it, and if that's camping in the rain, so be it. Right. But, okay, I know you think this is a crackpot theory, but once again, what do we see? A member of this Holden family, extended Holden family doing? Reading a book. Yeah. They never watch TV, bro. They're always reading books. And I, I, I wonder. He's reading I, while he's camping. Yeah, well, he's under, reading by flashlight yeah. while he's camping. Okay, so Teddy, and 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 it occur that scene occurs right after Teddy is in the kitchen with Janet. She's baking a cake that she's going to mail to Daniel or something. I don't know. Can you mail a cake? But anyway, I don't know. I'm still trying to get you to mail me sausage. So now, now she's. I think you can mail gonna, a cake. We, yeah, I can mail sausage, but I don't think you can mail a cake. Teddy, poor Teddy, is just like asking, can I help? Can I take out the garbage? And she's like, nope, I'm good. I don't need you to take out the garbage. And then he says, I'm going to turn in. And I'm like, what guy doesn't say, I'm going to go watch a game? You know, I'm going to go flip on a, a baseball game or something. Sports center or something. Why, why is he not watching? Yeah. T- Teddy seems like if there's anybody on this cast, who would be like it into SEC football or watch Sports Center or or you know want to watch the want to watch the Braves game? It would be Teddy, and yet he's just going to go to bed and read or something. So I'm just saying, I yeah, think I it's I think it's Ray McKinnon. Uh, I think there's some like very subtle anti TV uh, bias in there that he's. I would, yeah, but anyway, I, I would we don't have to hear the two of you talk about that. Yeah. Hey, I want to. I no, seriously, I'd like to know. I mean, you've you've talked about this before, and I, I, I think it's a, uh, a valid observation. Like that, that is something that so many people and communities like that. That's their number one form of entertainment is watching television. It's just kind right. of a conspicuous practice. It's always on in the background, and it's. It's not with this family. Hey, you know, I, I don't really have a theory here, 
but I've noticed in a few episodes throughout this series that when we have a couple of sequences with Jared, sometimes there are moments with Bobby Dean. And it's uh-huh. I, I'm not saying that they're they're foils or that they're kind of that there's a doubling going on there, but I mean we think about the times that Jared has actually snuck around yeah. their the family house, you know, the the interaction he had with Bobby Dean. I believe that was in season three, maybe two. Uh, and here we are again. Jared's out camping. We see a couple sequences with him out in the woods. And then right. we have the scene with the sheriff going to visit Bobby Dean to let them know that Trey, well, to really warn them that Trey is going to be out, out of jail. And I guess saying, hey, you know, don't don't try any shit like you did with, yeah. with Daniel. I, I, I'm not trying to make anything of that, but. I, I don't know. It's just something I I, I would be paying yeah, attention to. Yeah, no, Ryan, to I the, think you're right on the money. Six, I mean, last six, I, think, I think they're parallel in that they both um, are kind of innocent victims of their siblings. Um, hey, that's a, you know, you're taking a little bit deeper than I thought, too. You know, what, what does he say? What does Bobby Dean say to the sheriff? She never quit stirring. Yeah, sorry you know, to stir it. He says, be, "Sorry to stir this up," and she's like, yeah. and, "And yeah, the, Bobby D might as well have been talking about Janet." They're both sick of their parents. They're both sick yeah. of their parents being obsessed with something that happened twenty years ago, yeah. and not being able to move on. And they're both young men who, obviously, you know, um, my gosh, it would be you know Eric Erickson, the, the the great psychologist of adolescence, would have been the first one to say that. These guys are just um, experiencing, you know, an identity crisis, trying to figure out who they are uh, vis-a-vis their families of origin, and their families of origin are freaking screwed up and developmentally mm-hmm. stunted. And so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Now, it's interesting the difference between the two of them because you got Jared, who's like a clean-cut, good-looking guy, and then you've got. Uh, Bobby Dean, who's obviously kind of a greasy trailer park kind of looking guy. But I think you're exactly right. They're running along parallel tracks. And and they did have a little moment back to, to that episode you hearken back to where Bobby Dean caught Jared inside Hannah's bedroom. And instead yeah, of right. like freaking out and pistol whipping him, he was like, please take whatever you want, please. You know, yeah, like, like they had a little moment of, I don't know, sympathy toward one another or like a little bit of a connection. So, no, I think that's, again, I, I, any little subtle thing we see, the deeper we get into this show, the more I think any little subtle thing we see is probably came from the brain of Ray McKinnon. That, I mean, that's where I sit, a- a- especially after listening to, the, to some of the writers that there was nothing he didn't think about. So if we notice it, whether it's nobody in the uh, in the Holden Talbot family ever watches TV, I don't think that's a mistake is what I'm saying. I, I think Ray McKinnon thought about that. And then when you, you, know, you notice sure. these two brothers, both of whom are struggling with how their families are, you know, have this kind of stunted, um, uh, pattern. I, I, again, I think Ray, even though, even though these are like 
very minor players in the overall drama of this show, I think it's deliberate. It's probably deliberate what you're what you're noticing. Can we talk about the the Talbot side of things? Because in yeah. this episode, we see that that Teddy and Tawny are still attempting to reconnect. They're reconnecting uh, over a weekly date night. I'd They're, say Teddy is attempting to reconnect. I don't get yeah. the impression that Tawny yeah. has any interest in reconnecting other than being out of this on this date night out of obligation because their therapist told them to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, did you I, get I'll, the sense she wanted, she came late. You know, she said she had to leave. She. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not quite sure about her intentions or her um, embrace of this meeting of this, maybe this, you know, what's been recommended by their therapist. I mean, she even tells, Teddy, you sound like Rebecca, which, you know, she, she yeah. doesn't mean it mean, but no, it, it, to your point, it is. She feels seems like surprised. It's, yeah. It's like, yeah, I, exactly. I think, and I think Teddy is putting in the work to your point, but it will be worth noting in the next couple of episodes, whether there's a shift in her because of something that we see at her new place of work, which is at a nursing home. And she meets or is caring for this patient that is apparently a little ornery and nobody likes caring for him. He's kind of gruff and angry. And uh, again, this is Adelaide Clemens just being a, a great actress, but you can read what's working in her mind because she's looking at this man who has no children, who is mm-hmm. alone. And, you know, you see the wheels turning and she she's thinking, this could be me one day. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's going to shape the way she influences her date nights right with uh with teddy in any way yeah i've been i've been first of all reluctant to bring this up because i again i don't know if it was uh, tawny doesn't look good like the the actor has gained weight she she doesn't she looks depressed she looks scared nothing about her demeanor seems like how we saw her in earlier seasons. And, you you know, yeah, we see, we have a little taste of her like in the nursing home, finding a little bit of purpose, but she doesn't seem to have any of that purpose with Teddy. So I don't quite know what to make of Tawny right now, other than I can, I can, I can predict with virtual certainty that she's going to go to that old guy's house and find the key and go inside and find his plaque. <laughs> and yeah, probably something's going to go yeah. terribly, terribly wrong when she does that. <laughs> but your, I mean, when you bring up her physical appearance, you're suggesting that that is manifesting kind of this interior struggle lostness confusion about who she is or where she's going because i do agree with you that there was there was something about her character and we've talked about this with writers on the show and the complexity of a character like her who mm-hmm. is virtuous who has a strong faith in, in kind of presenting that character without being stereotypical or even in kind of trite or whatever 
And yeah, there was an, a, a brightness to her, kind of mm-hmm. uh, a light that I think reflected that faith and her desire to, you know, her kind of wishing the well-being of other people. And obviously in season one, especially Daniel. And then she's lost some of that. And it you're suggesting is potentially coming across physically for her, uh, certainly in her encounters and exchanges with Teddy. But you're right, though. I mean, in the in the nursing home, there is both some of that joy and cheerfulness as she interacts with some of the residents. Then, of course, there's this situation with with the patient or with mm-hmm. her with I think his name was Nick or something um, where it is a little dark. I mean, the whole the way the whole thing was shot, the way she's lit, mm-hmm. it does seem a little. Hmm, she's down, maybe, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right, and I, you know, I don't really want to make it, it really all about her physical appearance because, let's be honest, I mean, maybe, you know, we've all seen shows where, you know, oh, the the actor got pregnant and they tried to hide it or this kind of thing. I, I don't know that that's part of what's going on with her, but I will say this, and I think you and I have both known plenty of people for whom this has been true when they have such a strong conservative Christian faith, evangelical Christian faith, and so much of their worldview is based on that faith and the truth of it, when they have the rug pulled out from under them on that faith, when, when they start to doubt it, it, it really, they almost don't know where to turn. You know what I'm saying? There is no safety net for those for a lot of those people. And I think Tawny falls in that category. You know, she's had a crisis of faith. And suddenly, without that evangelical faith that, like, God is directing her every move, you know, whom she should marry and whether they should have kids and anything else, without that God directing her every step, she doesn't quite know where to go or what to do. Now, you know, she's, she, it's funny. What do you think her, yeah, her reluctance to admit to Teddy that she enjoys studying? Like, isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. And I, I want to say a couple things. I think you're pointing out something that probably the, the writers know, maybe have had some personal experience with, of, of, of rejecting or leaving or feeling betrayed by a certain type of theology or religious experience. And I think that there's a way to not know any of that as a viewer and watch this and still see, uh, you know, the, the distance between Tawny and Teddy, the the breakdown of their relationship, but just kind of knowing a little bit, knowing people like that, maybe having shared some of those experiences, I think just enriches our, engagement potentially enriches the engagement with the show and there's just so much that that we can feel and know and and even kind of hear that is not really directly in the episode right that that tawny has had this experience this this lifeline has been withdrawn so to speak or been cut and she's just trying to find her way i'm really rooting for her I'm not necessarily yeah. rooting for her and Teddy to get back together because I don't know if they're good for each other, 
but they seem they're certainly at a place where I think Teddy really is sincere about wanting the best for her. And I think she's just a little unsure of herself still. I think she doesn't want Teddy to feel like her enjoyment of life without him is somehow an attack on him maybe, or like that she doesn't care about him in any way. So I think she's just trying to, as she always did in their relationship, trying to protect his feelings rather than honoring her own. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, we definitely, I guess we have seen little glimpses of the fact that Teddy has a temper and, you know, Tawny is this soft-spoken, meek, uh, subservient kind of spouse and she's probably been yelled at uh, a few times and i think we've gotten intimations that big ted also has a temper we don't really see that anymore it seems like both men have come to you know uh, gotten control of their tempers but there is you know a history there and speaking of histories it seems that janet has a history of depression which we haven't really seen before. Like Janet has kind of been the matriarch of the Talbot Holden family, directing a lot of people, very engaged with Daniel, obviously, but also kind of telling Amantha, oh, you should move back to Atlanta or you should do this or you should do that. And treating Teddy like her own son, even though he's her stepson. Um, And then you know, we find out in this episode, not only you, you already mentioned this opening sequence where she's kind of looking down the stairs and listening to Ted and Teddy talk and she's climbing out of bed at eight in the morning and then climbing back into bed. Um, we find out a little bit later from, I think, Ted, Big Ted, you know, he says, you know, he's talking to Amantha, I think. And, and it's the question is, yeah. you know, m- mom's real down. She could use you right now. Janet's real down like uh, like before. And Big Ted says, yeah, like before, because, you know, Amantha's like, well, she's always kind of down. That's just mom. That's Janet for you. And he's like, no, no, like, yeah, l- like it you like before. So obviously um, she was deeply depressed when Daniel went away to prison and now his relocation to Nashville, it's almost like she's without a purpose, without, uh, you know, th- this is interesting, yeah. I guess, yeah. is that is that for so long, um, Daniel's exoneration was Amantha's purpose. That happened. She struggled for a while, but now she seems to have kind of figured out, hey, I'm, you know, like, I'm a manager at Thrifty Town and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna go smoke some weed and quote lines from Doctor Strangelove or whatever. And Janet's the one who, without Daniel in her life, doesn't seem to know what to do with herself other than stay up late into the night baking cakes and cleaning the fridge. Which I wanted to say, like that fridge didn't look that dirty to me. That looks a lot like my fridge at my house. Yeah. You know, talk about purpose. I mean, it's just the things to keep her busy. And you're right. When Daniel came back, she had so much to do. Caring for him, seeing to him. And then he's been taken away from her again. And it's really, it's understandable, right? It's just 
really wrecked her. And so anything to, to occupy her, her mind, because she's just waiting. She's waiting for Daniel to call her back because we see that this is actually, you know, kind of concurrent. Part of this episode is concurrent with the events in, in 401 when, with Daniel in Nashville. And we actually see her calling him and leaving the message that he listened to in, in 401. And he's not calling her back. And it's, she's just constantly waiting. And so, yeah, she cleans the fridge. She bakes to kind of take the attention off. But at the end of the episode, what does she tell Ted at the, I'm uh, going to Nashville. I'm going to Nashville. And she's Ted's like, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I think Ted's like, I could use the place to myself for a little bit. I, I could Ted use time. a break. And quite honestly, till you go there and he says, he doesn't want to see you. You're not going to be like, She's like the, you know. She's worrying. She's she's playing she's like out. The ex-girlfriend who won't leave somebody alone or something, or ex-boyfriend who just keeps texting and calling. Sure, and it, but it's completely understandable. I mean, it's it's well, the son that she lost once, and she's she feels like she's losing him again. It's and understandable, and yet she's also infant. I think she's also infantilizing him a little and bit. She, I mean, yeah. The guy's 36 years old and she's calling him like, how you doing? Yeah. But to him, to her, he's potentially, you know, he's still 18, 19 years old. I mean, you know, you, you think about, she's had conversations with people about Daniel and how he is different from, from other people. And, you know, it's, it will be a process and maybe going, will do her good to see that he's working and he's got his life in order, but, you know, maybe he needs to to be a little bit better about the check in, <laughs> a weekly check in with the mother. Well, that's something that the guys at the halfway house might have to coach him, <laughs> coach him with. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we go, what do you think? What What's that going to be like? I mean, what's it going to be like for for Janet when she arrives in Nashville? I mean, she says it all in, in a way that's really almost creepy. Like, I'm just going to stand outside the halfway house until he has to acknowledge me or something. It's like, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wonder, do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's a, you know, you always play the worst case scenario in your head and, and you worry about things like that. And, and I think hopefully the reality of the situation will be much more pleasant. I, I just love any scenes with Daniel and Janet. Yeah together there's just they're so rich i think there's a great opportunity for that i think it would be great to see her have some peace of mind and because there's a lot at should i say a lot at stake there there's a lot of opportunity for growth and healing to take place if she can somehow make peace because I do think it's good in a way for Daniel. You know, we said earlier, I believe it was last week where it's almost another injustice uh, perpetrated against him to be taken from his family or be forced from his family uh, into banishment when that support system could be good. Although he has found, as you've hinted at just now, that support system in the halfway house, maybe it's good for Daniel to be away, to be his own man, to, to begin to make his own way. And let's be honest. I mean, Janet needs to focus on, there's some issues at home that need her attention. Jared needs her. 
you know, she's, she's made an offer to Amantha to kind of, to kind of step in and be that mother figure by saying, Hey, you could come home and live with us. Right. And then of course, Teddy's trying to navigate that too. But there are a lot of things that, that need her heart that need her spirit that she can't give right now because she's so worried about this disconnect with, with her son. Okay. And of course, on top of that, we have everything else to think about with what's going to happen with Trey loved. This is what really got me thinking about the, the ending, the music Mm -hmm. at the end, the music that carries over from the grocery store to the closing credits, which again is what had me thinking about the sitcom genre and you know she has this little what what, the little prank she plays on trey Mm -hmm. i mean there's still all of that that we've got to see too so there's you know there's whatever's going to happen with her going to nashville and then obviously we still have this which there's not much to talk about uh from this episode but perhaps next week with what's going to happen with trey and of course the ongoing investigation into Hannah's murder. Yeah, I did have a question for you. I have two questions for you. Um, the first one is real, and the second one is hypothetical. The first one is: Do you did you find it within Janet's character to bust the eggs in Trey's shopping cart? Because that to yes. me seemed like a stretch. You did, huh? I. Can- well, no, I can understand that, but it, it was it was kind of the callback to not kind of it was a callback to the busted eggs in her kitchen. Yeah. And yes. yeah, it was certainly aggressive and a, an action that, you know, re, we really haven't seen from her, but we know that she has a good sense of humor. We know that she can be biting and mm-hmm. some of her engage, engagements and conversations, I should say, with Ted or Amantha, for example, they're often the ones that receive it. So, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think what would have been more unlike her would have been an actual encounter yeah. with Trey. Right. Like going up to him and, and giving him a piece of her mind. But it, it, was a, okay. it was an odd it was an odd touch. It was an odd moment. It was odd. I, sure. I didn't yeah. quite. I didn't quite buy it that personally. Okay, here's the last question for you: If Amantha and Teddy switch living, you know, spots, where is Amantha going to hook up with Billy? <laughs> <laughs> well, they can. She can sneak him in the house, I guess, or she could go to his, you or know, she landscaping could go to his shed, and get some leftover venison, and. <laughs> Watch the recorded game. Oh my gosh, you know that's happening. He's a good actor. Uh, the The actor yeah. that plays Billy is is so good. So I hope he's back a couple times. Yeah, me too. Well, it's good stuff. We're in the home stretch here of uh, Rectify, going uh, episode it. by episode through it, and it just it just continues to be so outstanding. And I'm, you know, Ryan. I mean, I I didn't know at first going this long through it about this like week to week we we binge so many shows these days you know and so to watch a show old school week by week over the course of 30 weeks uh i just didn't know how that would go and you know what it's been great i really have enjoyed it and I it's look become a ritual it. for glad, us and 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad we've had this like slow reveal of of what's going on with these characters. It's been great. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Killer Serials, and uh, we will see you next week for episode 403 of Rectify. 